Well, butter my backside and call me a biscuit. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. That's right. We were just having some fun with some southern phrases. I like talking in a southern accent. <laughs> you do? You can barely talk in a non-southern accent. Wow. <laughs> wow, that was... <laughs> Shots fired. That was really... Was it You too shot much? me down. Was you shot me down. Much? That Like that song, you shot me down. Bang, bang. You shot me down. You shot me down. Bang, bang. bang. That was you right now. You I'm on the, the streets. Bang, bang. Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna put them on and take control of yourself. Join a sister and a Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Let's, shall we? Today's going to be a really fun one. How to build your own PCOS jardin. I love this episode and most of you know I'm a very big gardener advocate. I love it. But today we're going to just help you learn how, like, how to start your own garden and help it with reversing your PCOS symptoms. Obviously, like a garden is not the cure for PCOS, but it provides a lot of things. Not only does it provide beneficial foods foods without pesticides, foods that are basically organic, but also it provides you the time to be outside, the sunshine, the physical activity, the enjoyment of having this really fun hobby. It's going to be a really fun episode. The way it can reduce your cortisol is something else. Just being out in the sun, getting vitamin D, and you just forget everything that's bothering you, and all you do is focus on gardening. If you haven't tried this, like seriously, just plant one thing, and mm-hmm. you'll understand what we're saying. Yeah, you'll be addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stress, like we needed it right now. We're going through some stressful times here at our PCOS weight loss headquarters. Uh, headquarters. Nothing to do. I'll just mention it. It's not about having a child or anything like that. I, I think like that's the first thing people are going to see. Like, oh, are you guys trying? It's not that. That's not going to happen for another year for everyone who's wondering. It's just something else that we'll talk about maybe next week once we have the final update. But it's fun stuff. It's just the process has been stressful and yes. we hope that it all goes through and we'll update y'all hopefully on some new news for us next week on that on next week's podcast episode yes we just need some time to gather our wits about us yes you like that face i guess i mean it's not better (laughs) than buttering my biscuit but you know okay you win all right well let's let's start with our monday motivation though um these are sisters who are reversing their symptoms with pcos naturally showing pcos who the boss is Mm -hmm. and just basically you know sharing their journey with with us in the sisterhood Let's start off with Shay from The Sisterhood. She says, Hey sisters, I've been working hard and focusing on my goal of decreasing my weight. Today I'm 20 pounds down since March of this year. What has really helped me is walking daily since I received my Hoka walking shoes from the walking challenge. My walks have been so much better. I love that. She was the winner winner. of of the May challenge. She says, I also, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. She says, I also added slow weighted exercises daily and I'm now gluten and dairy free. 
I take Ovacetol and the supplements daily, and I'm being intentional by planning my schedule each day and my meals. As a result, my energy has increased immensely, and I've been more present for my husband and two kids. I lost weight with similar changes in 2014, but after my mother died that year, I slowly gained my weight and lost myself. Now I'm feeling more and more like me again. Thank you, Talene, for this community and ongoing encouragement. That's amazing, Shay. First, I just want to say we're so sorry to hear about your about your mother last year, and it sounds like you're recovering uh, much better now, mm-hmm. especially oh, with all these steps. She says, "I lost weight with similar changes in 2014, but yeah. after my mother died, oh, last year, okay, that year. Oh, that year. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I I read that wrong. I thought you said last year, but still, we're so sorry to hear about your loss. Yes, and but we're happy for you that you're able to see all these amazing changes with the diet, with the lifestyle, with just overall." you know um making all these changes so great job shay Woo! we love to hear this story yes all right who's next next is from maggie uh wow i Can love you this say picture. her last name i think for the sake of privacy i'm just not gonna say oh, it, but okay. it's it is, a nice it's, french last name but it okay. is <laughs> but for the sake of privacy i'm just gonna say the first name okay but anyways uh maggie from the sisterhood she shared a picture of her metabolism plus bundle i love it beautiful such a nice picture so good and <laughs> She says, almost about to start my second round of vitamins. Here is what the first three months looked like for me. 100% gluten and dairy-free except for two weeks. I unfortunately couldn't do 100% in Japan, and I was okay with it as long as I tried to not make all the meals contain it. I do feel uh, a little crappy coming back, but that's a whole different problem with jet lag. Yeah, jet lag is definitely... It's tough. It gets you. It's like basically messes up with your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. But she says... I've been so much happier, moods started to stabilize, no brain fog, and not feeling an overwhelming sensation of exhaustion. I lost 20 pounds, which I thought was a miracle. Wow. My cravings went away as I consumed 30 to 40 grams of protein every morning. Wow. Wow. And then, so um, good. yeah. And then lastly, she says, I will say it once and I'll say it again. I know my lifestyle helped, but prior to these magic vitamins, I was losing maybe a pound a month or so. These vitamins helped put everything I needed into balance. I could not do it on my own. After 10 years with PCOS and the three years of really trying to balance this out, I couldn't do it with with just my life change. I needed whatever I was lacking of and found it in this. So thank you so, so, so much for changing my life and plus taking Ovastol every day. Hooray to small changes. I am not where I want to be at, but I am where I need to be and I'm okay with it. I'm so happy. Amazing. Seriously, I'm so happy for you. You know, we designed these to fill in those nutrient gaps that are common in PCOS women. And those nutrient gaps really make it hard to lose weight with PCOS. And I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. you were able to see the benefits and you were able to see all of that incredible progress from taking these supplements to supplement the the diet and lifestyle changes you were making. So it's just so wonderful to hear that. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were saying too, is like when it comes to supplements, just taking the supplements alone will not like fix everything for PCOS. It's Mm -hmm. when you combine it with a healthy diet and lifestyle, that's when you see the results. And a lot of times when you just do only the healthy lifestyle and diet, Mm -hmm. that may not be enough. You may have some deficiencies. You may have some things you need to fill in. And that's where the supplements really come in. It supplements what you're already doing and it takes you from in uh, maggie's description she said one pound a month which to her, for her was slow it's still amazing results but it takes you from that one pound a month to losing you know um she said 20 pounds in the last three months so it can really fill those in and basically accelerate your progress a healthy metabolism 
you would be able to lose one to two pounds a week. And it sounds like you used these Metabolism Plus supplements to boost your metabolism, to have a healthy metabolism so you can finally lose weight at a rate that's healthy and satisfying. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, for anyone who's interested, you can find the description and the link of this episode if you want to check out the Metabolism Plus supplements or Ovastol, anything, you can check it out in the link. Yes. All right, let's get into today's episode. Let's get into it. So before Sirak talks about gardening, I want to talk a little bit about pesticides. Yes. And, you know, what they're doing to us. Yeah, I think we're going to go over like which foods are acceptable to eat that are not heavily sprayed with pesticides Mm -hmm. and which ones you need to absolutely eat organic. Like we're going to list the foods that you should never eat unless it's organic and you'll you'll see the reasons why yes so ideally of course we should only be getting organic because we're going to get less of those neurotoxins that come that those pesticides can cause and you know of course not everyone has the resources to find organic food but in an ideal world we'd be all eating organic But pesticides are a cheaper way to do it. So they eliminate all of those insects and weeds and anything that can harm your crop and stunt its growth. And that allows for more food to be able to be grown. Yeah. Therefore, it's cheaper. Yeah. And that's why most of the food we eat has pesticides on it and is non-organic. The interesting thing is, though, like the the people who spray their food on the farms, they wear full on hazmat suits. Mm -hmm. And they spray these pesticides onto the food that then comes to you Mm -hmm. and your children and basically majority of the United States. Yeah. And these pesticides, they damage the nervous system of the bugs. And they also damage our nervous systems over time. I mean, of course, there's no immediate death, you know, from eating a fruit with pesticides on it like it would kill a bug. But these things start to build up in your system and they become much larger issues to our health over time. So the issue isn't just like one strawberry. The issue is that these things haven't been researched a long time and we eat strawberries every all the time and then years and years and years. And what happens when these pesticides build up in our bodies? And that's how they get away with it. When these companies request approval from the FDA on using these pesticides and glyphosate and all these things, they get the approval because they're saying, oh, when you eat this, you, nothing happens to you. You don't get sick. You, nothing um, affects your hormones, etc., your gut bacteria. However, they don't get approval on long-term usage, meaning they don't actually look into the long-term usage effects. That's why the FDA approves these things because the FDA only looks at it when you take it once. Mm-hmm. Not how does it affect you for the next 10, 20 years if you have it every single day. Exactly. So keep that in mind. Um, when we give you the list of foods that are just absorbing all of these pesticides versus the clean foods. What if you had an app for PCOS that could tell you what to eat, when to work out, and how to track your goals every day? Introducing the Sisterhood app. Not only does the Sisterhood app give you access to the largest community of women with PCOS, but it also provides you with a daily PCOS plan. Your daily PCOS plan tells you exactly what to eat for each meal of the day. It's like having me as a dietitian in your pocket. It also sends you a notification when it's time to work out, and it provides step-by-step videos to help you reverse your biggest PCOS symptoms. 
You also get access to 100 plus gluten and dairy free recipes, the 5 steps to PCOS weight loss masterclass, and a full PCOS friendly workout library to choose from. But let's not forget the most crucial component of PCOS weight loss, the support. You're not alone. In the sisterhood, you become part of the largest community of PCOS women where you can chat with us in our private Facebook group. Sirak, myself, and your fellow sisters are in there every day to answer your questions and support you along the way. So what are you waiting for? You can head over to the App Store and search Sisterhood or click the link in the description to get started today. See you in there. Our gut, it has like 100 trillion bacteria in it. And when we have these pesticides, the point of the pesticide is to kill pests, to kill bugs, but it's also going to kill our gut bacteria too. And that weakens our immune system and our ability to absorb vitamins like vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really something to think about for PCOS women who are already compromised in terms of gut health. We tend to have more bad gut bacteria. We tend to have leaky gut and a lot of us struggle with bloating, which is a sign of poor gut health. So, of course, you know, there's a lot we can do. And one of the things we can do is choosing certain fruits and vegetables to be organic. Yeah. Um, glyphosate, I'm sure you've heard of this. We've talked about it before in our podcast, yeah. is a, actually a pesticide that's found in Roundup to control weeds. So it's really common. And I'm bringing this up because, you know, it's been shown to be linked to cancer it's been shown to be linked as an endocrine disruptor and has a connection to insulin resistance, which 80% of us have. Yeah. Studies show it causes depletion of sulfate and in short impairs cellular glucose uptake and causes insulin resistance, a nightmare for PCOS mm -hmm. women. And it also affects our microbiome and contributes to leaky gut and chronic inflammation. Yes. And the interesting thing about glyphosate is before 2006, they would only put glyphosate on wheat during the beginning of the crop cycle. But then what they found out was that during the end of the wheat crop cycle, like meaning like, let's say the last month before the wheat gets harvested, if there was any kinds of rains, it would essentially get all the wheat crops too wet and they would start to mold and essentially they would go bad. So in order to fix this, they realized that if they put glyphosate in the last month also of the, the crop cycle, it actually dries out the wheat, prevents bugs, and they get more to harvest. So now people are literally getting glyphosate more since 2006 because now it's not being washed away during the entire crop cycle. Now it's literally being placed right at the very end before it gets harvested, before it gets into processing to basically then turn into oats or any gluten product like bread, things like that. Wow. You know, and it's all over the place. Yeah. We're probably consuming it every single day without realizing yeah. it, for sure. Interesting thing is me and Talin just ordered a test kit that looks at the glyphosate levels in your in your body. We'll definitely share the results. Yeah, I'm really curious the difference between you and me because you've been gluten-free for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% gluten-free. I try to limit it whenever I can, but I still like have gluten consistently, which... Um, if I see this test result, it might be the final like nail that says, okay, <laughs> that's enough. All right. Well, All let's right. see how it goes. All right. I'm so curious. I can't wait. I love testing things. <laughs> yeah. All right. So 
Here's some things that we can do to avoid pesticides. We can buy directly from the farmer at the farmer's market and we can get the produce for the wholesale price, you know, the price that the farmer would have sold the produce to the grocery store for. So it's like 50% off your fruits and vegetables and it's locally grown, which is great. If you don't know of a farmer's market near you, we're going to drop the link in the description. The, the link Bye. is local farm markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can buy seasonal fruits and vegetables at a great price. And then you can also um, do organic based farming like Sirak's doing. And yeah. I'll get to know. this too when we when we talk about like yeah, the farm you can and talk stuff. About I, I have a whole segment of vinegar about, sprays yeah. and all the things you use instead of yeah. toxic pesticides. And then, you know, let's say you can't purchase anything organic and there's no farmer's market where you are. Well, there's a very simple formula you can do. You can mix apple cider vinegar, two ounces, um, which is about a couple tablespoons, with one glass of water and soak your strawberries or whatever it is in that and put it in a strainer, rinse it off. And there you go. You have, you know, you've cleaned off some of the pesticides Yeah. from you know, the fruits and vegetables. And you're going to be really surprised when you see the color of that, yeah. of what's what like gets cleaned out. It's kind of disturbing. Oh, gosh. So uh, the next part we're going to talk about, though, is the Dirty Dozen for 2023. It's like a list that gets released every year. And what this means is like the Dirty Dozen means these are the 12 foods that people say don't eat them unless you purchase them organic. Mm-hmm. And we just want to also note that like, we know that buying organic can be more expensive and we understand that, you know, not everybody, you know, when you have a large family, you're buying for multiple kids or maybe you're in, you're in school, like you're, you know, you're young, you're still developing, you know, your finances and things like that. It may not be easy to buy organic. We understand that this is not to be like, oh, you're not buying organic. What's wrong with you? This is not like that. We're just the messengers and trying to explain um, why buying organic can be actually um, much healthier. Now, the first one on the list is strawberries, and it's been on the list for several years on the list of dirty dozen fruits and vegetables. And that's because they're really hard to grow because insects love to eat them. And that's why they have to be drenched in pesticides to be able to farm like a bunch of strawberries to feed all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why they tend to be more expensive when they're organic. But um, you can also buy a different berry and get lots of nutrient benefits, maybe a blueberry, a blackberry. But strawberries, they absorb those pesticides into them through the skin. So if you just wash it off, it's not going to work. And that's why, you know, strawberries are at the top of the list. Yeah, it's literally like number one, meaning it's the most like dirty of the dozen. (laughs) That makes sense. You dirty strawberries. (laughs) You can buy frozen organic strawberries and that's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, second on the list is uh, spinach. So this is, again, second, meaning the second most dirty, if you want to say it. <laughs> and you definitely don't want to eat spinach if it's not organic. You literally cannot wash the pesticide off. It's absorbed into the leaves. And but that's all we're going to yeah. say about spinach. Same thing about straw- as strawberries. Like if you can buy it organic or buy uh, maybe frozen. I don't know if they have frozen spinach. but They do, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can buy organic frozen spinach. Kale is next on the list. You can buy organic frozen kale. And number four is nectarines. They're Mm -hmm. soft skin. You know, those pesticides can seep right through it. They're very heavily sprayed. They're sweet. They're delicious. The bugs love them. So do we. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, fifth on the list is apples. 
it is really difficult to find an organic apple orchard and if you like buy them organic they're usually like a lot more expensive now if you do buy non-organic you want to peel off the skin although similar to what we were talking about earlier it can seep beyond the skin and into the actual fruit but at least you know peeling off the skin will make it a lot uh less dirty dirty yeah <laughs> number six is grapes so this is really interesting um, because it also accounts for wine. Wine is made from grapes and you're consuming the skin and it's heavily sprayed. However, if you buy European wine, it's less sprayed. They have a lot more um, rules and regulations around pesticides. Yeah. Um, or you can buy organic wine and organic grapes. <laughs> Something about Europe, man. They're, they're, at least when it comes to food and all that stuff, they're doing it the right way. Yeah, you know? they really And a are. lot of other things. They do a lot, a lot better than we do here. I mean in the u.s yeah the yeah. so next one is um bell peppers and hot peppers literally 88 different types of pesticides are sprayed on bell peppers so that's another one you want to avoid getting non-organic that's insane i yeah. didn't think that of bell peppers but i mean their skin is very thin so i can see why next is cherries and number nine is peaches super soft skin just like nectarines there's no way you can wash off the pesticides it's yes. going right through mm -hmm. uh next one uh let's just say the next three pears <laughs> blueberries and green, green beans. beans so those are three you also want to be aware of when buying non-organic 12 dirtiest fruits and vegetables isn't that interesting <laughs> so now there's the clean 15 so these clean 15 is if you can't find them organic it's okay um you can still wash off the pesticides of these because they don't get through the skin yes First on the list, we're all going to be happy because they're already expensive, and that's avocados. Avocados. I mean... How much more expensive can they be? Honestly? Yeah, but if you buy them organic, they're definitely going to be more expensive. But yeah, yeah. at least for, with these ones, it doesn't mean that they're pesticide-free, by the way. It just means that it's less likely to get into the actual you know, yes. fruit or vegetable or whatever, you know, we're talking about here. Next is sweet corn because it has the husk, right? And you really have to like peel back that husk. There's so much husk to peel back yeah. that, you know, the pesticide hardly gets into the corn itself. Yes. Next, we have pineapple. Of course, the outer layer is very thick. Mm hmm. Uh, number four is onions. These are all at the top of the list because even if you spray them, again, you just peel off those layers of the onion and you don't eat the pesticides. Yes. Uh, number five is papaya. Six, sweet frozen peas. Love peas. Seven, asparagus. Mm -hmm. Eight, honeydew melon. Nine, kiwis. Ten, cabbage. Eleven, mushrooms. Twelve, cantaloupe. Thirteen, mangoes. Fourteen, watermelon. 15 sweet potatoes nice the clean 15 yeah this is the dream team everybody the dream 15 yeah so this is a kind of a great way to like take this list these two lists with mm -hmm. you the dirty dozen and the clean 15 the next time you're the next time you're grocery shopping and just be like okay strawberries get them organic avocados i don't have to get them organic even though maybe it's more pref preferable if you do get it organic right. but at least you know okay it's not as bad as if i was getting peppers or kale you know for yeah for exactly. the comparison so i mean i personally like memorize vegetables very quickly so now if i look at a bell pepper i'm gonna be like dirty <laughs> <laughs> at the grocery store you know but you can like make a list in your phone too and just mm -hmm. refer to it when you're grocery shopping yes cool so that is the the dirty and the clean lists mm -hmm. and now let's get into like how to start your own garden tell yeah. us babe i'll be like probably talking the most throughout this part but please babe feel free to like 
chime in anytime because you also like go, go out into the garden and help I just, out and stuff. I'm a spectator. What are you saying? I'm just saying. I don't want to talk straight for the next Please. 10 minutes explaining well, the garden. Well, you're kind of going to because I have nothing to <laughs> contribute here. So almost, almost everything that we listed in the Dirty Dozen, you can grow at home. And it's actually a lot easier than you think. Like, for example, strawberries... They're very easy to grow, like if you have the space. Same thing with spinach. So easy to grow during mm, the winter months. True. Um, of course, like nectarines, apples, they take a little bit longer because it's a, it's a tree and you have to kind of like wait for the, the fruit to come. But once it comes, it will never stop. You will get apples and nectarines and peaches and pears for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it's just so much fruit. And then, of course, like things like grapes it can be a little bit more difficult because it's only like a summer season crop but still it's all doable but blueberries um, yeah blueberries are much easier because it's they're um very one thing is they're very invasive so like you want to be careful but they they grow like pretty easily cool and you'll attract a lot of like birds and like wildlife into your garden hummingbirds getting started with building your own pcs garden so first thing you want to i have like four questions for anyone to consider before starting so the first question is, how much sun does your location receive? Is it four hours, eight hours, 12? The more, the better, obviously. Second is, does your soil tend to be wet or dry or normal? For example, there's like in Southern California, a lot of areas have clay soil, which, you know, as you know, clay, it kind of like holds on to water a little bit more, stays wet. Um, versus like really dry um, or actually I should say clay is pretty dry but when it rains it kind of holds on to the water a little bit longer Uh, number three what is your hardiness zone this is probably the most important what's your hardiness zone this is basically like a zone like each part of the United States and the world has a hardiness zone so for example in Los Angeles Orange County we're in 10a 10b because it's much hotter but if you go into the north you know, closer to, let's just say, I'm just going to, like, Michigan. I don't know Michigan's exact number, but I'm going to guess it's around, like, five or six because it gets a little bit colder there during the winter months. So knowing your hardiness zone, it's going to help you figure out what plants are the best for your area and how early you can plant your plants. For example, if you live in Michigan, you probably need to wait until, like, the earliest March or April before planting, like, tomatoes, maybe even longer. Whereas in California, you can probably plant tomatoes in like February because it's already like hot and sunny here in California before um, any other part of the uh, the country. And also, are you going to be planting in a container or in the ground? Um, all four of these questions are important to consider before you get started. Right, babe? Love it. <laughs> we have so many tomatoes in the backyard in planters and we didn't even have to buy like expensive planters. Sirak bought, what are they called? Grow bags. Oh, yeah, grow bags, yeah. So, yeah, if you if you don't have, like, a ground, like, meaning, like, you're not going to plant it into the ground, containers are totally acceptable. In fact, I bought what what are called grow bags. They're literally, like, fabric containers, a lot cheaper. You can go on Amazon and buy maybe a pack of five for, like, $20. Of course, the soil does can get more expensive, though. Mm-hmm. So, what to start with? I highly recommend for anyone who has no garden, who who is just trying to get their green thumb greener, is to start with herbs. The reason why is herbs, depending on which ones, they can grow almost all year round and they will provide the most value for your money. Because buying one herb, like the plant from your nursery, will cost you maybe around 3 to $4. But that herb will last you almost forever. 
unless it flowers or unless the season comes and it dies out. But for example, if you get like thyme or basil or sage, it that will grow forever. And not only that, it will be even more tasty and fresh compared to what, what you buy at the grocery store. Even if you buy organic, the herbs you buy are going to be weeks expensive, old. Yeah, weeks expensive old and weeks and not old. not a lot. Yeah. And you're not even going to use them because you're going to be like, eh, I just need like one thing of rosemary and then the rest is going to be disgusting next week and it's going to be a complete waste of money. Exactly. Like Talia, what she does is when she's cooking, let's say she needs some sage. She just goes out into the garden, snip, snip, exactly what she needs, mm-hmm. comes back, puts it in, into the food. Like it makes it so much easier to keep your herbs fresh and yeah. you, you save a lot of money. Like trust me on this, you will save a lot of money. And because there's so much, I just like take a bunch. You know, I don't feel like oh, I could only have like two pieces of sage. I just snip off like three big pieces or a huge chunk of chives. Yeah. And I don't even have to think about like, oh, save some for tomorrow's dinner. Like there's plenty and it'll grow back. Yeah. And um, these are my favorites and the easiest ones to grow. Uh, basil, especially for the summer. Rosemary, you can grow almost all year round except for like the really cold winter months. Thyme, chives. Chives are so easy. Sage, oregano, parsley. By the way, I used to not like parsley until I had garden parsley. Oh my gosh, it tastes so different compared to what you buy at the store. Yeah. Like the smell, the aroma. Same thing with cilantro. The, the smell aroma the taste is so different dill great one chamomile is really good because you can literally make your own tea like forever Mm -hmm. same thing with mint both chamomile and mint very very easy to grow and you can make your own teas with it and just you know make it really um like a fun thing like oh let me go get some chamomile boil it up and boom all your guests get fresh chamomile yeah same thing with mint. beautiful yeah and then there are alliums. So like alliums are like garlics and onions. They're technically referred to as like herbs in some spaces. I mean, I don't know. I don't consider them herbs particularly, but that's how you add it into your food. You add a little bit here and there. But garlic, onions, super easy to grow. It just takes a long time, usually about six months. But once you plant it, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to like trim it. You don't have to like keep an eye on it. Like it's there. They just grow on their own. And in six months when they're ready, they're ready. Cool. So now those are the herbs. Definitely start with that if you've never done gardening start with before. Herbs for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then once you feel like okay, I'm gonna ready. I'm ready to step up. Step up my game. I'm gonna grow some things that I can really like. Chop up and chop, eat. Yeah, exactly. My favorite vegetable for summertime and just overall any my favorite vegetable of all time to grow is tomatoes. Just because the fresh tomatoes, like when we went to Europe when we were living in Barcelona, weren't the tomatoes just amazing? It was incredible. We used to eat them every morning with our eggs and bread. And it was just so delicious. Like my favorite thing to do is get like a toast bread that's like crunchy. Mm -hmm. Put the tomatoes on top. Mm -hmm. Sliced tomatoes. Put some olive oil and salt. Oh. Yes. And you can do that with gluten-free bread. Like it is amazing. It's so good. And we literally have, like I'm not kidding, maybe 30 tomato plants growing right now in the backyard and they're all different varieties like some of them are two like of the same but i'm growing all these different varieties it's the first year where i can grow such a thing and then whatever is our favorite we're going to grow more of those next year and whatever we didn't like we're not going to grow those the year after so yes they um, look so beautiful seriously they're like getting so lush right now because the wet the weather is warmer and they're yeah. all these different colors there's purple there's red it's like yeah. Seriously, reduce your cortisol, go outside, pick a tomato. Yeah. You're fine. 
And then following that, my second favorite is peppers. Again, same thing, like you can eat peppers raw, like they're crunchy, they also provide fiber. And like, to be honest, like when, you, when you're gonna go with peppers, don't grow the spicy types. Or if you do, only have one plant that's spicy. The reason is, the really spicy ones, you don't need that much. They're like hard to enjoy, especially like a ghost pepper or like these crazy spicy ones. Like habanero is spicy, but not too much. But the thing is like, Grow like mild ones because they're, they're a lot easier to create salsa from, incorporate into your uh, recipes, and just enjoy them raw too. Like the spicy ones are just too hard. And then the the, the next few ones, I'll just go over them quicker. Um, carrots, really easy to grow, very healthy. And then of course, coming to our greens, lettuce, kale, spinach. Spinach and lettuce, they usually like to grow in the colder seasons because once it gets really hot what they, they start to bolt meaning they start to kind of flower and try because they think oh it's the end of our season let's send out a flower so we can spread our seeds and more lettuce will come up next season that's the reason why they do that so lettuce and spinach usually in the colder seasons but kale you can grow throughout the summer because kale likes the heat and there's all different types of kale you can try uh, next one is potatoes. Potatoes are vegetables, technically, but again, super easy to grow. Literally, what you do with potatoes is you plant a potato in the ground, and in three months, you will have maybe 12 more potatoes. It's pretty crazy how it works, because when I was a kid, I had no idea potatoes grew like that, but they literally grow under the ground, and they sprout out, like they have green leaves that come out from the ground. And I think we have right now three crow bags full of potatoes that i will be harvesting in the next couple of weeks so they look so beautiful and healthy like the leaves yeah so it means it's probably going to taste so good yeah and there's broccoli um there's broccoli is good i mean for me it's like too difficult um same with cauliflower like cauliflower and broccoli you really have to fight the insects like mm. they will go after them but if you can do it they're 100 percent worth it uh, really easy ones are beets, radishes, and turnips. Now, these ones, don't buy them from the nursery, meaning don't buy the grown ones that, that you, like, transplant because beets, radishes, turnips, they have very sensitive roots, and you don't want to disturb them. Same with carrots. You want to buy them as seeds, sprinkle the seeds on the soil, cover it up lightly, and they will grow so fast. Cucumbers, great one. Peas. Peas are so easy to grow, especially in early fall. They will, they love the cold. And peas are one of those things where you end up like not even taking them inside because as you're gardening, you'll, you'll just snap off one and just eat it as a snack. They are delicious, fresh. It's way more different than any other peas you will buy at the store. I didn't know how good a pea can taste until Sirak grew it. And the pea flower smells so beautiful. It yeah. is just, and it climbs up like, uh, you know, if you have a rail or something yeah. next to it, it's so pretty. Yeah. And then um, squash and zucchini are ones that are like, they grow insane. Like once the heat hits them, they start to really grow like all around. Every like, day it's bigger. I have to show you the one in the corner. It is taking oh, wow. over the other beds. Oh, cool. And they actually, and what, what happens with squash and zucchini is they actually produce a lot of fruit, like a lot of the squash and zucchini. Not fruit, but what, I, what I'm trying to say is like the, the vegetable. Mm -hmm. And they actually have like a tradition called, I forget the name and I forget the date, but it's a tradition where you put a squash on your neighbor's front door. How cute. Yeah. And the reason why they, that tradition started is because people would have too much squash. No way. So they would have to give it away because they just can't eat all of it. That's so cute. Yeah. Was that Italian? 
I, I'm not sure. I, I remember um, hearing that on a, on a YouTube video. Cause I watch a lot of YouTube videos about gardening. My favorite one is Epic Gardening. For anyone who wants to kind of watch on YouTube and learn more, they're a great channel. Cool. And then lastly, this is going back to the dirty dozen, strawberries. So strawberries are really easy to grow. Your only thing is going to be fighting the insects and, you know, um, making sure that there's no disease and things like that. But I'm going to talk about what you can do about that naturally. But strawberries really easy to grow and doesn't need a lot of space. You can literally grow it on like a hand, like one of those small containers that you can hold in your hand. Mm hmm. Next part is um, flowers. So some people like to grow vegetables. Some people like to grow flowers. It just depends what you like. I mean, if you want to grow flowers, definitely go for flowers. You know, personally, I used to just only do vegetables. But then once I started adding flowers, it did a couple of things. One, it just made, makes the garden look more beautiful. It catches your eye a lot better. It brings more color. Not only that, it brings in diversity of bugs. The thing is, you want bugs in your garden. The thing is, you don't want the bad bugs. And in order to bring the good bugs, you have to bring flowers that the bugs like. So it brings in like a more of a diverse ecosystem. So you have bugs that kill other bugs that would have eventually ate your strawberries, for example. And also it brings in pollinators. Pollinators are important because they will actually like, for example, with tomatoes, sometimes they don't pollinate like they don't it doesn't actually produce a tomato because there isn't enough pollinators or it just didn't pollinate itself. Same thing with like squash and pickles, or sorry, uh, cucumbers and things like that. You need something to pollinate it. So with that being said, my recommendations are uh, borage. Is that how you say your borage? Borage. It's a really interesting one um, because you can use the flowers for like uh, mocktails or or um, even for like uh, teas and things like that. And it's, it just looks beautiful. It's like a purple blue flower. It grows pretty fast. And just looks beautiful. Sunflowers are actually my favorite right now. Because there's like so many different types. They get so big. And that big yellow head. I just love it. And a bonus. It brings in birds. Like birds will actually go to the flower head. And eat the seeds from the sunflowers. So cool. Yeah. Like it just, it's just a beautiful thing to have. Uh, lavender. Cosmos. Zinnia. The list really goes on. You can really go pretty ham with flowers. And it just really depends on what colors you like. What you like personally. So um, you want to. Just pick the ones you like. Now, interplanting. I'll keep this part short, but basically what I was talking about earlier, having like diversity in your garden, this is where interplanting really comes into place. Like you don't want to just put a bunch of lettuce in one bed because you're creating like a buffet for bugs, <laughs> for the bad bugs, right? For the bugs that are going to eat them. Same thing why you don't want to just only have a, a whole row of tomatoes, so I'll, I'll explain why. When you put certain plants next to other plants, it brings in the beneficial bugs. So for example, when you put dill next to tomato plants, the dill will actually attract the tomato hornworm, which loves your tomatoes, but loves dill more. So essentially, you're using your dill as a way to attract the bad bugs so it doesn't hit the tomatoes. There's another plant called alyssum. Alyssum is like this really beautiful flower. You can buy like you can buy lavender colors. You can buy purple. You can buy it in white colors. But alyssums attract parasitic wasps, which are actually a good thing because the parasitic wasps will eat the tomato hornworms. So boom, you're already get, you're keeping them in check. Same thing with marigolds. They do the same exact thing. Interplanting with flowers and certain other um, vegetables will really help. For example, if you put garlic next to certain plants, some bugs don't like garlic, so they avoid it. 
So next time, whatever you're going to plant, you can just Google this. Google like tomato um, companion plants or cucumber companion plants. And you'll really find the easy list of what to put next to each plant so that there's like a diverse ecosystem. And you're kind of like reducing the amount of bug pressure that you're going to get. Bug pressure. Yes. Now, next part is... Um, last part I should say is how to maintain your garden so that it's still organic. You're not using bad pesticides and things like that. So my favorite is it's called BT. It stands for Bacillus thuringiensis. <laughs> this is my favorite because it specifically targets the bad bugs, the bad pests that usually eat your plants. That's my favorite BT Bacillus thuringiensis and it is completely human safe. It is safe for animals or it is safe for like your dogs and animals. It is safe for you. It only goes for the bad bugs. Second on the list is neem oil. Now, this is generally used for bugs and, and, and also as a fungicide for things like powdery mildew. The thing with neem oil is it kills all the bugs. It doesn't only kill the bad bugs. It also kills the good bugs. It's almost like taking an antibiotic where it just kills everything. So neem oil, it can be good. In extreme cases, and again, it's orga- it's organic, it's safe for human consumption, it only goes for the bugs. The only thing about neem oil, again, is that it just goes at, goes at everything. Now, third on the list is using vinegar and soap. So the recipe is you usually use one part vinegar to three parts water, and you add some soap, and that's a really good way of treating any uh, bug situations you're having. And then lastly, if you're like trying to naturally treat like powdery mildew and, and other like fungus diseases you can use baking soda so you use four teaspoons of baking soda plus one teaspoon of soap and and you put that all into one gallon of water and it will be really um helpful for treating powdery mildew cool yeah and look at that natural ways to maintain your garden without pesticides without glyphosate Mm -hmm. or roundup imagine you were spraying glyphosate that wasn't telling you guys (laughs) and then like i just want to make a note too like as you create your garden, take notes from season to season. So like, for example, maybe you're like, okay, I want to grow these five things. But maybe you didn't like two out of those five things. For example, maybe you don't like tomatoes or maybe you don't like peppers and you just didn't have a good time. Just don't grow it next season. Like use that time to note and use that time to kind of figure out what you want to grow next season. That's the reason why I'm growing like 30 different varieties of tomatoes because I want to know which ones we're going to like and which ones we're not. And next year, I'm going to kick out the ones that we didn't like. Yeah. And for example, when you grew peas, we didn't know how much we would love peas. Yeah. And we were like, gosh, I wish we bought more varieties. The flowers are so beautiful. They had all these different colors. So definitely next time we'll create like an entire wall in the garden 100%. where peas are growing. Yeah. I think I grew, I put eight pea seeds in one container. Yeah. And it gave us like maybe like a hundred peas. We loved it. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. Next year, for sure, 20 at least. Yeah. Uh, just keep notes of your successes, your failures, and remember to take it season by season. If you really like something one year, do more the next. And most importantly, just remember that gardening is not just for harvesting. Like, don't be down on yourself if your tomato plants get a disease and you don't get to harvest as much as you wanted to. Or maybe the squash didn't grow or something didn't happen. Because keep in mind, it's also a physical activity. 
you want to get the joy out of just not the fruits of your labor, literally, but also the act of being outside. You're getting sun every day. You do this. You're getting physical activity. You're burning calories. You're outside. Your mind is not stressed out about work, school, personal situations. You're just in that moment in the garden fighting the bugs, trying to grow these things, just enjoying life, right? Like our ancestors did when they would grow you know, food. So just remember to enjoy it. And don't be so hard on yourself if you didn't grow as much as you wanted to in your first couple of years or, or ever. Like this is the process of learning. I love it. I'm so glad you shared your gardening experience with us on this episode, Sirak, because everyone watches on Instagram stories and everyone has a bunch of questions. And here we are spilling all of the tea about how to garden in a PCOS friendly way. Yeah. This is one of my favorite, one of my funnest episodes that we've done because it's like real life situations that we're just talking yeah. about. The dirty dozen, the clean 15. Personal experience. Yeah. And if you have any questions, sisters, about gardening or about anything specific about like any plant, just email send us. A, yeah, email Sirak. us. Sirak at thesisterhood.org. Oh, how dare you. Put oh, my, yeah. Put my email out there like that. No, I'm now just you're kidding. you're going to get That's gardening already, email? It's already public for everyone to see. But yeah, 100% email me. Or you can even DM us in the on IG, and I, I love to answer your questions. Yes. Well, sisters, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you make a list of the dirty dozen, and let us know how it goes next time you go grocery shopping and look for some organic foods. Exactly. Take care, everybody. We love you, and have a great rest of your week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Word of mouth is our absolute best friend here at PCOS Weight Loss. So if there's someone that you know that you think might enjoy this podcast, go ahead and share it with them. And if you don't mind, go ahead and rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. It really helps more than you think. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Sisterhood community. Talk to you next time.